This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. All right. Welcome, family. Um, Let me say, first of all, thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to be having a very interesting conversation with uh, entrepreneur and intellectual property attorney, Shantavia Johnson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And oh, wait, before we get into this, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the like button because you're going to like this. I promise. Hey. Hey, Karen. Yes, subscribe, hit the like button, share it with all your people, right? (laughs) All right. Um, We've talked before in the show. um, And what I really, the reason why I invite you here today is because I'm, you know, the the intellectual property patents and things. I just had a um, young lady on the show uh, who's a geneticist. And we were talking about the HeLa gene. And, mm-hmm. and how they're making vaccines right now, she believes, using those very genes, using those cells, because they are, are easily manipulated, they can be duplicated, they don't die. And there's, she said there's billions of dollars being invested in making the vaccine using those genes. And I said, you told me actually, there are thousands of patents around Henrietta Lacks in her cells. There, there definitely are. And the only thing I disagree with is I don't think they're billions of dollars. I think they're trillions of dollars. I, I literally do. Revolving around technology based on HeLa cells. And I say that because even before COVID-19 struck, hospital systems, health systems were looking to sell their data for millions and millions and millions of dollars, even before COVID. And so COVID has only exponentially increased the interest in buying data from hospitals. And there's no law that prevents them from doing that as long as your name, your identifying information isn't there. So I think it's literally trillions of dollars and to your point, built on the back of one black woman named Henrietta Lacks. And with with Henrietta in particular, her cells were so unique. So she died at 31 years old in 1951, but her cells remained alive and it shocked scientists. And there've been now, think about 17,000 patents that have been granted based on her cells. Now, when you say that, 17,000 patents, first of all, uh, explain to people like the the whole notion of getting patents. Mm -hmm. I think think we're naturally black folk uh, inventors because, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and we need, I need to figure out how to sweep this thing or whatever. If we were in bondage, I need to figure out how to do this thing, so we're gonna figure out, I know the cotton gin was us, because they mm-hmm. weren't cotton, we were, so we're gonna figure out a better way to do it. But we don't think about intellectual property. We don't think, and because black folks couldn't have patents for a long time, we, That's, you know, legally, yeah. it was tough. So we're, we're gonna do a whole series on all of the, uh, you know, as many as possible black people that have held patents in 1800s and, and beyond. But as, as you think about Henrietta Lacks and building properties around her cells and her family's not getting paid. So what is a patent? How does it work? How do people get it? Mm -hmm. Now, this is an excellent question and commonly misunderstood. And there are two things I would say. So specifically first, that the United States and Western society, so Europe, the U.S., have driven what even the word patent means and why we use patents to facilitate innovation. And so we can talk about patents that we need to realize even that 
this whole concept of privatizing innovation is a very Western concept. You look at China, ancient China with herbal medicines, you look at African uh, technologies that they use for generations, you look at South American principles. Those communities for millennia didn't have patents at all, but they were the most innovative societies on the planet for millennia. It's only really in the last few hundred years that we've used patents to make money off of innovation. And so that's the first thing that just like culturally, the idea of taking something away from communities so that one person can make money on it is a very Western concept. Just like but land ownership. That's exactly right. Exactly like land ownership. You just exactly. messed me up with that because <laughs> you know, as I'm thinking, doctor, I want to call you doctor. Uh, as I'm thinking about what you're saying, it's almost like I don't have talents or ability. So I'm going to take your talents and ability, or in this case with Henrietta Lacks, your, your actual DNA, your cells, and I'm going to create a profit business or a profit framework around something that is not mine. Yep. And that is, that is the basis of patent law, this idea that in order to get people to innovate, we have to give them something in return called a patent. And a patent is basically a contract between an inventor and the government that says, if you tell us exactly how to do this innovation, practice it, build it, make it, whatever, what the government will do is give you the sole permission to make the thing, use the thing, sell the thing, offer the thing for sale to other people. And fundamentally, there are, like I was saying, there's some challenges with that. But at any rate, that's the, that's the game that we play. So the patent is just a contract between you and the government that says, I'm the only one who can make this thing, sell this thing, license this thing, use this thing, or I can give that permission to somebody else. And that is how the United States generated billions of dollars of wealth when it was a new country. One of the first literally one of the first pieces of the constitution that was written was the patent clause. It's in article one, section eight, clause eight of the constitution. And that is how America became a superpower when it was literally just a scrappy little country with nothing else other than, you know, landed it stolen from native Americans. And so we start out with that fundamental premise that innovation is important. And we think to get you to innovate, we've got to give you something. And that something is a patent. And in the United States, you get a patent for something that's new, useful, non-obvious, and meets all these different categories that are written into the law. But if you do that, we give you, in most instances, 20 years to be the only person with permission to sell that thing or allow somebody else to sell it. Could it be because this country was founded on um, bondage? enslaving people. They tried with indentured servitude, didn't work, those people weren't hardy. Mm -hmm. Found these Africans, they're hardier, and there's a whole continent with millions of them. So let's do that. And then you find, find these people who are artisans and who had skills. They, they didn't just bring just anybody over, you know, women who cornrowed rice into their hair, you know, like you, you brought over people that knew how to cultivate rice, who knew how to build things, you know, and then you watch them and then you created a system by which you can take that ingenuity and monetize it. That's what I'm hearing you say, Shantavia Johnson. I, I, I think that is an appropriate interpretation. I will say intellectual property existed before the United States 
was a country, but the United States really turned it into a capitalist machine and used it to jump about a hundred places in the food chain in the global the ecosystem of, of money and resources and wealth and power because people were rushing to patent things and rushing to sell things both inside the U.S. and elsewhere. And so the entire system is based on capitalism. We're going to spend some time talking about some of those, but today I wanted to mm -hmm. take two or three of the top um, inventions or patents off of the HeLa cells, off of HeLa yeah. cells. Yeah, so the thing that's really interesting about Henrietta Lacks, and I'm, I'm sure your viewers and your listeners know about Henrietta Lacks, but Henrietta Lacks is a 31-year-old mother who died of cancer in the 50s. And her cells lived, and what scientists ultimately found with those cells is not only could they live, but they could do so many things. And the scientist slash doctor who treated Henrietta Lacks never got a patent himself, but what he did was did a ton of research at Johns Hopkins University, told a lot of people about it. Those cells got shipped all around the U.S. and then all around the world, and people who invented new things using those cells could get those 17,000 some odd patents. And the reason they could do this, and this is, this is a place where Actually, the law still is not settled. There's still opportunities, actually, even here. But the reason they could do this is because there was a Supreme Court case that literally was decided. Uh, there are two cases. One that was decided a little bit before all this. One that was being decided as Henrietta Lacks' family was finding out that people were doing these things with her cells. There was this case in California where a guy had this happen to him. Some doctors saw his cells were different. He had hairy cell leukemia. They made billions of dollars. It was a doctor in uh, UCLA, research facility. He sued them. And the court said in that, in that case that you don't own things that come out of your body. It is antithetical to our notion of human autonomy to allow you to own your cells, your blood, your kidney, whatever. When something is removed from your body, it doesn't belong to you anymore. So that case that was decided as Henrietta Lacks' family was finding out that her cells were being shared all over the world, almost immediately eliminated their ability to get any kind of relief in court. And so they really didn't even get a chance at, at that point. And the law also says anything under the sun made, my, made by man can be patented. So not things that occur naturally. So like our blood, our hair, our cells, our whatever. So the law says you don't get a patent for things that just literally naturally appear. But if you make some modification, you do something new and different with those cells, that new and different thing is patentable. So all these 17,000 different patents that exist that are new and different, but use HeLa cells, those Henrietta Lacks um, uh, cancer cells, that is what's being patented, not the cells themselves. And all kinds of folks have, have patented things using those cells. Two of the most interesting that I've seen, one patent is owned by the United States Air Force. And the Air Force has a patent on uh, these specific processes and the, the, the genes themselves or the gene sequencing for 
uh, it, it's like some cancer research, some cells related to cancer research and invention related to cancer research. And what they did was modify a HeLa cell. So we even have the United States government owning pieces of this person through the, the avenues in which the law allows this to work. And they've taken the appropriate legal avenues, but there are obviously some ethical issues there too. Mm. United States Air Force, how much money would you say people have made off of this one person sells. What's bigger than trillions of dollars? What's the next thing? <laughs> We've never entered that. I mean, we're, we're just quadrillions, quintillions. Yeah, wow. I don't know, but lots of money. I mean, it's like this. So if you've ever taken a biology class and there's a Petri dish in the class, right? HeLa cells are as common in biotech as a petri dish is in biology and so there's literally just about no other way to do a lot of the really sophisticated biotech research they are just that common it's like asking what is the value of you know the ocean on the planet mm. i don't know that there's a way to really quantify even though the original doctor who treated henrietta lex allegedly never made any like dollars himself although surely his research was published and he got a lot of credit for those things and that kind of stuff i want to have this conversation because part of the mission is reclamation you know there's been a mm -hmm. lot about reparations and uh, especially in this time you know uh, equity and i need us to start to think not just critically but also more legalistically not biblically legalistically financially we need to start thinking about everything that we do as commodifiable and so this is your business you are an expert in this area um and i just wanted to use henrietta lax's cells as just one example but there's so many different things that people can patent and how should we start to think about i have an idea mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have an invention mm -hmm. i figured out a different way to do something that has already been done because that's really what is happening right, right? Right. So my thought, so Jay-Z said it best. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. And he was exactly right about that. You should think of anything that comes out of your brain, your intellectual capital as something that can be leveraged. I don't care if it's your tweets, poems, things you write. I know we're talking about inventions and patents, but your intellectual capital is valuable. All of it is valuable. This show the work that you do, like all these different things that you do, the digital content you create, that's all your intellectual property. And a lot of people look at you and say, yo, that applies to her. But if you are making videos in your house, in your basement, or if you have a new way of doing things, your mom tells you to wash dishes and you figure out a faster, smarter, better way to wash dishes, or you create something in the kitchen that helps you wash dishes better, that is your intellectual capital that can be leveraged. It can be protected in some way, and you can use that to build a business. So we should start thinking about everything we create in that way and realizing that if you are employed by a third party and you are providing all of your intellectual capital to your employer at work, then you're giving that person a lot of your best ideas and a lot of your best work. 
you know, sometimes we need to keep our best ideas for ourselves and turn those things into our own businesses rather than giving them to other people. I mean, even as you're, you're saying that, you know, I'm thinking about how, how you know, the like you said, the companies that we work for, we, we want to, you know, show people that we're smart, you know, mm-hmm. and end up giving away ideas and then people incorporate them, you know, and they're paying you a paycheck, but they're not paying you nearly as much as what you're bringing in to the table at the same time part of the contract is that you bring some of your intellectual property into the the workforce um mm-hmm. but a lot of us are entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and we don't know how to pivot into these other spaces or how to take what's ours and and when we put stuff up on social media they the the contract is they get to use your intellectual property your pictures words you you sign that away and they have been leveraging that. We know that with Facebook, they've leveraged your information, they leverage your images, they leverage all of that, and they've made billions of dollars. So how do we, how do we protect ourselves? Yeah, so with, so there, gosh, that's such a great question. Two things I would say. So the first is with the things you post on social media, what the terms of service typically say is, you own your intellectual property, but you give us an unlimited worldwide non-exclusive license to use it. So you're right, Karen. If you post something online, you can assume that whoever's platform you're posting that on has a right to do something with it. But what that means is you should be doing something with it too. You use social media, you don't let them use you. So with the things that you create, you protect it, you leverage it, you monetize it yourself, Facebook is going to do that. Twitter is going to do that. So why don't you also monetize your content and attach dollar values to the intellectual capital you're creating? So for example, if you go live every day on social media or you post videos every week or whatever on social media, why not package those videos, turn them into an online course and sell them? If you are teaching people how to do their eyebrows on YouTube or whatever the case might be, why not create a monthly membership where people have to pay you to put those, to, to have access to those videos that you put behind the paywall? So there are ways you can take, if you're a chef, I mean, I've seen so many restaurants talk about going out of business right now during COVID, and I understand the challenges there. But if I'm a chef, I'm really good at making XYZ. I'm going live on Instagram. I'm going on Facebook. I'm doing all these things to show people what I can do and then charging them for the privilege of reteaching them even more. And so you, you, you have to think of all the things you create and all the things you're good at as a business, specifically with social media. Now, outside of that, if you have invented a new widget or whatever at home, use the resources that you can find for cheap or free before spending thousands of dollars. On average, to get a patent in the United States, it costs about seven, $8,000 for an easy, fundamental, basic patent. If you get more complicated, you're probably looking at something like ten, fifteen, dollars or $20,000. But there are steps you can take in the interim. And so a lot of people don't know this, but law schools, most law schools, not all, but, but many, have legal clinics where they represent folks for free. The United States Patent and Trademark Office has a program specifically for law schools so that students with the help of a a practicing lawyer can represent entrepreneurs and inventors for cheap or free and do that in a way that is um, 
do that in a way that is cost effective for the inventor because it's cheaper free and it's quicker. When you're represented by a student, you go through the patent office a lot quicker. And so there are some resources out there you can take advantage of without spending a lot of money with some of these patent services or, I mean, I used to be a high price lawyer, so I understand you know, the, the, the desire to do that, but there are some steps you can take in between. Don't just go out and tell people about your stuff and give it away. Figure out how you can protect it and build a business around it. Used to be a high-priced lawyer, Shanti. <laughs> now, now you're teaching people how to be successful in business. Tell us a little bit of what, about what you're doing, what you just gave a little nugget just now. Tell us about what you're doing to help people build their businesses. Oh, great. Happy to do so. So I founded something called the Brandon Business Academy, and it helps working professionals build a business while they are employed full-time. And I did this because when I was a high-priced lawyer and people would come to me and pay for trademarks and patents and copyrights and that kind of trade secrets, all the contracts, whatever, I, I noticed that they really didn't know what to do with them, how to really build a business. They thought, okay, well, I need this. I need that because Google tells me I need this or I need that. I look at Karen Hunter. I see she's successful. She's got this. She's got that. So I need this and I need that. But nobody really understood how to take all the stuff they saw and turn it into a foundational successful business for themselves. And so that's what I do in the Brandon Business Academy. Some of it is about intellectual property, but a lot of it is taking a step back and saying, wait a minute, how do you start a well-founded business? How do you connect with the right people? How do you leverage your intellectual property so that people know who you are? And that's what we do in the Brandon Business Academy. Where can people go to get this? brandandbusinessacademy.com. Is it the Empress? It's A-N-D? A-N-D, brand and business academy.com. You can also find it on my website at shantavia.com. And what I'll say about finding me or finding anybody is, and, and, and you got really to the heart of this a minute ago, you, you take the things you already know, your knowledge, the things that you bring to the table are so valuable already. Don't try to fit into this mold that don't try to be Mark Zuckerberg, be yourself. You know, Mark Zuckerberg has a, an incredibly well-resourced and well-founded business and all that is fine, but you don't have to do that. You can make millions or billions of dollars doing the thing that is right for you. And so many folks will get on Google, they'll look at somebody successful and say, okay, well, I don't really know why they did all those things, but here's what Google tells me to do. And here's what I'll do. So, and what I find with people of color in particular is that advice does not work. Mark Zuckerberg could walk into an office without a college degree, having dropped out of Harvard and get millions of dollars in venture capital funding. We don't always have those same resources. We don't have access to those things. But one thing Robert F. Smith said a few years before he paid off the student loans for the graduating class at Morehouse College was he was being interviewed by the Washington Post. And he said this is the first time in history where a person with really good ideas, with content, can use their intellectual property to build financial independence for themselves. And so that's what you have to do. You have to take that intellectual capital you have and build the business around that. Don't try to be somebody else because those avenues are not meant for us. Some people will get through and they should continue to do so, but we can forge our own paths. And to the point you made earlier, 
This entire country was built on our physical and our intellectual capital. So we can do these things and it is okay to look different and be different. Love it. So we're going to tune in every week with you and you're going to break down a really dope person that had a patent because I think we also part of this journey for me is reclaiming history. There's a lot of things I don't know. So I'm literally in class every week, you and Dr. Carr, and we're going to have others come mm -hmm. through because we're woefully ignorant. And I think, you know, part of, you know, equity is, is telling our stories and, mm -hmm. and building that foundation that was stripped from us and putting the pieces together for everybody. So I thank you for doing that work and uh, coming in ready because uh, you are, a, you, you, you fashion yourself a geek in this area. You know? <laughs> Damn. This is your jam. And I love when people love the things that they do and that they know. So I just want to thank you for uh, accepting the challenge of coming in every week and, and doing this, this patent work. And, uh, and let's get this brand and business. If you have a business out there, go check it out. Brandonbusinessacademy.com and follow her at shantavia.com. Uh, go to her website as well. And uh, thank you so much for being here today. No, thank you so much for fighting the good fight and educating people. And it's incredible that you are willing to do this with so many other things that you have on your plate. It's so important to tell these stories and tell them accurately. And that's what I respect so much about your work. We often get, you know, the tidbits of history without the backstory and without, you know, knowing where we came from so that we can know how to get to a new place. And it's even more important now to understand these things. So thank you for even providing this platform. Well, humbly I'm doing it for me because I know, <laughs> I know. And if I don't do it, who's gonna do it? You know, I mean, thankfully, let me just say this, you know, I'm grateful enough to have foundationally, you know, made money or I'm making money outside of the space, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm on YouTube, I was like, y'all cannot follow. I'm not here for the, I'm not here for your clicks and your algorithms and your comments and your thumbs, but mm -hmm. I do want you to subscribe so we can have a bigger, broader base more people need to know this content but this is not how i get paid so i'm not driven by the same things that people are driven by who are on these spaces they need that you know so it allows me to actually teach it allows me to actually bring in people who can you know push the information out because our ignorance will be our demise and we have been woefully and willfully ignorant for too long and there's a lot of people that know stuff like you shantavia so <laughs> thank you uh go thank you if you have a business, Brand and Business Academy, sign up because she knows what she's talking about. I've watched her work. That's why she's here. And that's the other thing. I bet people. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Karen. Right. John Tavia. Jesus.